Merry Christmas, Keystone Church. How's everybody doing today? Merry Christmas. There we go. There we go. You're a little further back back there than what you typically are on a Sunday. How's everybody doing back there? There we go. What's up? All right, cool. Listen, my name is Pastor Josh Cox. It is my pleasure and honor to be the lead pastor here at Keystone Church. Um, we just want to greet you and thank you so much. Uh, many of you are here today at our church for the very first time, and you're here because someone that goes to our church invited you to be here. And so I want to thank you so much for accepting that invitation. I understand sometimes it can be awkward walking into a new church for the very first time. I completely understand that. And so I don't take it for granted that you did that today. We want to thank you and welcome you, and we don't take it lightly that you would be here uh, today. For those of you uh, that call Keystone Church home, it's good to see you. Those that are joining us online today, we want to welcome you um, and thank you for joining us online as well. Well, it is the, officially the week of Christmas. All right, one week from today. Who, who's cheering? You can go ahead and cheer for that. It's officially a week from Christmas. Um, what in the world, man? That was terrible. <laughs> anyway. It sounded like one of the animals in the, in the manger there may have just was sick or something. I'm not sure what just happened. But uh, I don't know about you, but I look forward to this time of year. It is unique that Christmas Day uh, lands on a Sunday this year. Obviously, that happens periodically as the calendar uh, would have it. Next week, and we're going to remind you of this at the end, next week we made the decision way back last January so that our our emotions wouldn't get involved. We made the decision back last January that we were going to be online only uh, next Sunday on December 25th. The way that's going to work is we're going to send out a YouTube link. It's probably going to upload midnight uh, Christmas Day, and we'll send out that YouTube link. You can watch that anytime. We're not going to post it live because, listen, 10 a.m. on Christmas, I really hope that maybe you're with your family Eating breakfast, you know what I'm saying? So like, listen, watch that service whenever you can throughout that day. Um, and then, and we'll be back on January the 1st. We will be back in person January the 1st. Honestly, we kind of had to make the call. Which Sunday are we going to go online only? New Year's Day or Christmas? And so we decided for Christmas. Uh, Pastor Tim has family, uh, both sides of his family out of state. Pastor Aaron, family, both sides out of state. My wife family out of state. So that just kind of makes it a little difficult, you know, so we want to make sure we give a little bit of a breather there. But that's the reasoning behind that, but we're looking forward uh, to getting started in the new year on January the 1st. We have been in a Christmas series uh, called Behold. Behold, we are uh, covering different statements that were made, some of them uh, in scripture immediately following the word behold. And the word behold is an exclamatory word that is used to grab your attention. Behold! I have nothing to say after that, but it grabs your attention. It grabs your attention. Especially as we think of like in more of an old English, as as they would come upon something and they would utter that word. And so there were many different times in Scripture when that word behold was used as an exclamatory word, an introductory word. And we highlighted a couple of weeks ago Uh, Behold, a virgin will conceive. And we uh, preached an entire message on the doctrine of the virgin birth, or really the virgin conception um, of Jesus Christ and what that meant. What are the implications of that? The fact that his mother had never known a man, that's one side of it. The other side of it is that the scripture tells us that his father was the Holy Spirit. And so how did that work into it? And we walked 
through kind of the theological aspects of that and then the practical side um, as well. And then we spoke about, behold, good tidings of great joy last Sunday. We spoke about joy. We spoke about those shepherds. And we're going to highlight them a little bit today uh, again. But we, we spoke through uh, how the shepherds experienced joy in that season when the angel of the Lord appeared. And then the choir of angels appeared. And then they went to see and find Uh, baby Jesus. Today, our behold statement is simply this. Behold, he will save his people from their sin. Behold, he will save his people from their sin. Now, as you read through the Christmas story, there are really two popular renditions in the Gospels. Luke chapter 2 Probably the most popular, and I would encourage you, if you don't already do so as a family, to make sure you highlight God's Word um, during this season, Christmas Day, or however you do that, Christmas Eve, whenever you get together. But we are going to be in the other chapter, the book of Matthew, in chapter 1 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, and you have a phone, uh, and you'd like to pull up a Bible app, we'll be in Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have either, or don't uh, desire to do that, the words will be on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. We just spoke about that a couple weeks ago, the importance of the virgin conception. Verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For title of the message, he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak through your word, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate scripture today, you would illuminate truth, the beauty of the gospel and the grace of Jesus today. I pray that we would leave here encouraged by your word and by your spirit. If there's one here today who's in need of Jesus, I pray that This is the day they're introduced to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I will be upfront and blunt with you today. My job and my goal is if you are under the sound of my voice this morning and you do not have a real, personal, authentic relationship with Jesus, that you are challenged today from God's word and by his spirit to begin a real, authentic relationship. With Jesus. I'm going to tell you that up front. There is no sneak attack today. There is no sneak attack from the very beginning. And so if you're in here this morning, you're like, man, I was really hoping he was just going to talk about like other stuff. But nope. 
Not today. He will save his people from their sin. Why would a holy God, creator, the one who holds all power, the omnipotent one, the one who spoke words and the entire universe fell into existence? Why would that God who exists, try to think about this, who exists in no time, a year to him is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day? He exists in no space, for he is as present here with you as he is someone on the other side of the world in this very moment. That that God, what would bring him to take on the form, Philippians 2 tells us, of a servant? To humble himself. What would convince holy God all-powerful one, all-knowing one, existing above time and above space, why would he take on the limitations of a human body? Why would he take on the temptation that you face every day and that I face every day? Why would a holy God do that? May I submit to you today that he did that because he will save his people from their sins. May I bring you the truth this morning that Jesus, the baby born in a manger, as we have highlighted out in our lobby this morning as you walked in, there's not really a baby in there. Why is the story not complete with a baby in a manger, right? Why is the story just begun? Because he was born to die. He was born to die, but he was not just born to die. He was born to live. You see, between the time that he was in the manger and the time that he died on the cross, there was approximately 33 years that took place there. And you know what he did for 33 years? He lived. He lived. He lived a life like you live and a life like I live, similarly in that it was a human being's life, but very unique in that he experienced everything we experienced, the Bible says, yet without sin. And I don't know about you, but I'll stand here today and confess to you that not a day goes by that there's not sin that creeps into the things that I do, the things that I say, or if for some reason I have a really, really good day and it's not one of those two, the things that I think. Right? Like, I ain't never killed nobody, but man, I thought about it a couple of times. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's terrible. It's not confession today. Wrong denomination for that. So uh, anyway, I can send you to, if you need to confess, I can send you to a couple of friendly priests. That could hook you up, all right? But he, for 33 years, experienced life just like you did. And he did it without sin. 
So he was not just born to die, he was born to live. You see, he had to live a perfect sinless life in order to be qualified as the son of God to die. You see, there could be no sin in that offering. There could be no blemish in that offering. And he lived a life that you and I, quite frankly, just can't live. It's impossible for us to live. I know some of you. It's definitely impossible for you to live that life. And you know me. And it's definitely impossible for me to live that life. But he wasn't just born to die. He wasn't just born to live. He was born to rise. You see, he was buried. And scripture tells us that on the third day, it was just a borrowed tomb from Joseph. Because on the third day, Jesus, he rose from the dead. He rose again. That this morning is the beauty of what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're new to the church world and you don't speak Christianese, the gospel simply means good news. It's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came because he loved you so much. And he lived a perfect life. He was tempted like you were tempted. He was tempted like I am tempted, yet without sin. And he died on the cross a brutal death as he willingly gave up his life. He could have at any time invoked his omnipotent, omniscience, and any other omni word that you want to throw in there. And he could have stepped himself down off that cross. But he chose to take it. Father, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus was buried and he, and he stayed buried. That would have been a great story to tell. Man, it was a really good man back in the Middle East 2,000 years ago who died for us. And I tell you what, if we ever go over to the Middle East, let's go look at his grave. Uh, uh, fortunately for you and for me today, the story did not end there. See, today if you go on a Holy Land tour, they will take you to the tomb where Jesus laid past tense. Because he rose again. He rose in triumph and victory over death, over sin, and over hell. That is the good news of the gospel. You say, Josh, I don't think you understand just how sinful that I am. I don't think you understand the things that I've done in my life. Well, I don't think you understand how much Jesus loves you and how much his grace and his mercy is here for you. But what do you have to overcome this morning? If you're sitting here under the sound of my voice and you say, okay, Josh, I hear that. I hear the story of Jesus. And maybe you've already heard that story of the good news of the gospel before. But maybe you've made this statement, and I've heard this statement from people. I'm just not quite ready. I'm just not quite there yet. I've got some things I still need to work out. Have you ever spoken to someone, or maybe you and your testimony, that's your testimony, that you, there was a, seri- a season of time in your life where it's like, I wasn't quite ready to make that decision. I wasn't quite ready. Well, if that's you today, I would like to help walk you through overcoming obstacles to get to Jesus. As we think about the Christmas story, there are many characters in the Christmas story. And I'd like to highlight four of them who I feel like had to overcome something to accept Jesus for who he was. Okay, Four characters today who had to overcome something to accept Jesus for who he was. Number one, overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. If you were here last Sunday, you will be familiar with the story 
of the shepherds as they were out doing their job. Waking up early, staying up late, tending the sheep, making sure that the, uh, the, the predators did not come in and, and, and taking in the sheep, killing the sheep. Making sure the sheep stayed where they were supposed to stay. As we know, sheep need a lot of help. They're not intelligent animals. They don't do things well on their own. And then the angel of the Lord appears. Boom! And then the whole multitude of angels appear. Boom, 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 boom. A bunch of them. And you know what it says about the, you know what it says about the shepherds? They were greatly afraid. They were greatly afraid. The way that applies to you and I could mean be many different ways. But is fear the wall that is built up between you and a relationship with Jesus? What do the angels immediately say? Fear not. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to say if I confess that I need Jesus and I accept him as my savior. I don't know what people are going to say. Fear. I'm afraid if I do that, I'm afraid of what my life is going to look like after that. How about this one? I'm afraid of what happens to me the moment I leave this earth. I'm afraid. Is that the barrier that is built up between your heart and a real authentic relationship with Jesus? Perfect love, Scripture tells us, casts out fear. And may I introduce you today to perfect love, and his name is Jesus. The shepherds had to overcome fear, fear not. And if fear is the obstacle that is between you and Jesus this morning, I say to you, perfect love casts out fear. Jesus loves you so much. He's going to ask you to face your fear. Overcoming fear. Secondly, obstacles to get to Jesus. Secondly, overcoming skepticism. Oh, this is a good one. Overcoming skepticism. You see, Mary was engaged to be married. Mary was engaged to be married. Scripture tells us she had never known a man, that she was still a pure virgin young lady. Can you imagine you're engaged to her and you find out that she's pregnant? This isn't like a sex ed class in here because there's a couple kids in here. But let's just say that in order for that to happen, there has to be two people participate. I'm engaged to her. It wasn't me. We got problems. I mean, are we going to be real? We're going to act like that's not what really happened? We got problems. You and I have never known each other physically. You are now expecting. We got to talk. At the very least. And an angel visits Joseph. 
And he says, Joseph, this is my version, it's not scripture. Listen, man, I know what you're thinking. And it makes sense. You're not crazy. I know what you're thinking. But let me help, let me explain it to you, okay? Your fiance has not cheated on you. Okay? You have not had short-term memory loss. Okay? I'm even more confused. No, that which is in Mary and is conceived in her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. My skepticism meter on a scale of 1 to 10 is at an 11.5. Okay? Number one, I have heard of the Holy Spirit and some of the Psalms and some of those things, but we've yet to have the Holy Spirit descend. I mean, Jesus has not even been born yet, much less baptized. The Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? I don't know if I can believe that. Is that a fair statement? I don't know if I can accept that. And once again, I am reading into the story. But I can imagine if those thoughts went through Joseph's head and through his heart, that the answer would be, Joseph, there are some things that I cannot explain to you as a human being, but you're going to have to trust. And may I say this this morning? God's word is a miraculous book that was put together by multiple authors over, over 2,000 years. And there's a lot of difficult portions of scripture out there. And may I say this to the skeptic? There are some things that the best I know how I can explain to you. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to trust. If skepticism is the wall that has been built up between you and a real relationship with Jesus this morning, I wish that I could tell you just to read another book, even though there are some wonderful books out there, beginning with C.S. Lewis, start there, that, that will help you reason through an apologetics look at Christianity. Those are good things. But at the end of the day, the fact that a holy God would send His perfectly righteous Holy Son to die for you, to live, to rise again, and to send back to His Father, that is going to have to be believed and trusted. And so to the skeptic today, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, to the skeptic today, I'm not trying to ignore the questions that you have that are probably very valid questions about all the truth of this. But I am telling you at the end of the day, there comes a point in time in your life where you have to say, I'm either going to believe it or I'm going to all out reject it. And I'm not trying to go real, but give me a second here. Do you, do you hear that? I either need to believe that Jesus is everything that he said he was. 
or I need to reject it. And if Jesus was not who he said he was, he was not a good person. A good person doesn't claim to be God. A good person doesn't require people to give their lives for him, to literally forsake father and mother and follow him. That's not a good person. So today, if you're on that line, that skepticism line, I beg you with love today to just come to grips with the fact there are some things about God's word that we're going to have to trust in faith. We're going to have to trust in faith. Overcoming fear, shepherds? What are we afraid of? Who are we afraid of? Overcoming skepticism? Well, I don't know about this. I got questions. So did Joseph. So did he. Thirdly, an obstacle to overcome to believe Jesus is who he said he is. Overcoming judgment. Overcoming judgment. You see, I mentioned and highlighted one person in that story, Joseph. But what about Mary? The society in which she lived, the scarlet letter was a real thing. The judgment that would be cast upon her was real. I'm not going to pretend to be a historian of, of the Hebrew nation and act like I know every little thing would have ha- that would have happened to her. But I do know this, more than in American culture in 2022, she would have been shamed, she would have been ridiculed, She would have been mocked. She would have been written off. She would have possibly been sent to solitary confinement somewhere. God, what is is happening? The angel comes to her. Mary, I know you've never known a man. You're right, God. But you, are, you have found favor. You are highly favored. And God has chosen you to be the physical means by which Jesus enters the world. But God, I've not known a man. I know. God, do you know the potential here? Joseph, my fiancé, is going to leave me. That's in her mind. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. He's leaving. God, you're going to tell him the Holy Spirit fathered the child in my womb. He's gone. Joseph is out. So people are going to see my friends and the the people that know me are going to see that my fiancé is walking out on me, that I am expecting. He is claiming the child is not his. And God, I'm going to, you're telling me that I'm going to have to walk this nine months 
of judgment. And forget the nine months because it wouldn't have stopped there. It would have continued. May I ask you today, what's between you and Jesus? Is it anything that serious? The judgment that you might feel from your coworkers or from your friends or from your family? Anything like that? But you don't understand, man. Like, I've got a really bad, really, really bad reputation. You think you can overcome judgment for a little bit? Hey, listen. The Apostle Paul spent his early adult life killing Christians. Okay? I'm just going to give you kind of a dose of reality here. Merry Christmas. All right? The Apostle Paul spent his early young adult life killing Christians. He has an experience on the road to Damascus where the, the light shines down. His life is completely changed. He has an encounter with Jesus. Okay? He changes his name from Saul to Paul. He shows up where he's supposed to be killing Christians. And he tries to tell them that everything's different now. Guess what? They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. It took people standing up for him. It took men saying, it took the Holy Spirit coming to different men saying, you need to stand up for Paul. You need to make sure they know that Paul's legitimate. He faced judgment. Let me let you in on a little secret. Paul, the missionary that floated around the Mediterranean and then walked and rode you know, camels or whatever, 13 years, 13 years from his life being changed on the road to Damascus before he actually started his ministry as a missionary. 13 years of judgment. It's really a silent 13 years. There's a, Paul is only, in the book of Acts, you can only see Paul like pop up like once in that 13 years. If you, if you go chronologically. Anything like that? Listen, judgment. May I say this? I'd much rather face judgment from people here on this earth for giving my heart to Jesus and turning my life over to him. I'd rather face any judgment that comes to me on this earth than to face judgment from God Almighty one day when this life is over. If I'm going to face judgment... Let me face it for my dear sister right here. It's your second time with us. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'd rather face judgment from her than face judgment from God. I'd rather face, I would rather face judgment from Tim than face judgment from Jesus. Overcoming judgment. Listen, you will become a happier person when you can get to the point where you just don't care what people will think about you. Lastly, what do we have to overcome? What did the characters of Christmas, and we're only highlighting four of them, have to overcome? Fourthly, overcoming disappointment. Disappointment, the, the wise men, by the way, we don't know that there were three. We know there were more than one. The only reason we say three is because they recorded in Scripture only bought, brought three gifts. There could have been 17 of them. Could have been two of them. But these magi, by the way, we're going we're gonna to preach about this next year probably. Um, 
They studied the stars. They were very spiritual people. But they had waited, and they had waited, and they had waited, and they had waited. Now, these men weren't 400 years old, but in the grand scheme of things, for 400 years, the Messiah was supposed to be coming. And Tim mentioned it this morning as we, or Tim or Brent mentioned this morning as we opened, that the Messiah was supposed to, in 400 years, there was nothing. From the end of the book of Malachi and the end of the book of Nehemiah until the story uh, that we read in Matthew chapter 1, there was nothing. But I thought the Messiah was coming. Disappointment. But I thought the stars, when it, when it said the star hit that certain point and then this star aligned there and that one, then we would go to where he's supposed to be born and it just has not happened yet. And I'm disappointed yet again. And I'm disappointed, and I'm disappointed. 400 years, I'm disappointed. That day did finally come, by the way. Those wise men showed up, and you were not sure the exact time frame. Um, I believe it was, it was very close to the birth, maybe within uh, weeks of, of his birth. Some people believe it could be all, all the way up to two years. There's a lot of, doesn't really matter. But for 400 years, the people of God had been disappointed. And may I say this? There's a lot of things that can factor into you applying this to your life of ways that you've been disappointed that could keep you from Jesus. You could have been raised in a family where mom and dad put up a good show on Sundays and they smiled and went to church and called everybody brother and sister and hugged and got in the car and cussed you out on the way home. Or the best is when they're cussing you on the way there. And then like, pastor calls and you're like, shut up, shut the blank up. Hey, pastor. How are you, man? Things are going great. And you sat by there in your car and you go, man, you're such a fake. Disappointment. How about disappointment? How about, hey, man, I really gave my all and I really put my heart and invested in fill in the blank church. Man, they allowed some things to go on there that were just, and it hurts. It hurts. My mom or my dad or a mentor of mine, a person I looked up to, man, they really let me down. Disappointment. For 400 years, the wise men waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and were disappointed, disappointed, disappointed. Disappointed until this certain set of wise men found Jesus. What do you have to overcome? Those are just the stories of Christmas. What did the rich man in the Gospels, what did Jesus say to him? Hey, rich man, go and sell all your goods and feed the poor. What was Jesus saying? What's between you and coming to me? For the rich man, it was his money. He couldn't kick it. And there are other stories. What's between you, I ask today, and a real relationship with Jesus? Is it one of the things we spoke about? Fear, skepticism, judgment, disappointment? Is it something else? 
What stands between you and Jesus? And I ask you today, would you be willing to take that step through that wall that's built up in faith, believing and trusting Jesus today? That's why he came. He will save their people from their sin. I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. This guy. You, Greg Wood. I know you. And then even more. Shauna Wood. I know. know. Me, Me and you. He came to call us. The outcast, the broken, the sinful, he came for you. You see, the Christmas story does not end in the manger. It does not end in 33 years lived on this earth. It does not end at the cross. It does not end at the empty tomb. It does not end at Jesus ascending to be with his Father and seated on the right hand. You know how it ends? It ends with those who have placed their belief and faith in Jesus spending eternity. The rest of human time. Outside of human time. It ends with us reconciled to God through Jesus. Listen, there will be a day where these wise men went and they saw a baby in a manger... For 33 years, people saw a physical version of Jesus on this earth. People saw him on the cross, his mother and others, and disciples saw him literally crucified. People saw him after he had risen from the dead, before he ascended into heaven. But there will be a day when you and I and those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus will stand before him, and we will either stand before him in guilt and shame that we did not believe, or we will stand in front of him beholding his glory, speechless at the fact that we are standing before our God. And my question for you today, he will save his people from their sin. Has he saved Have you believed in Christ and Christ alone? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. When I tell you to bow your head, our band is going to move up to the stage. That's what you're going to hear. It's okay. I know I'm like, I I lead the ADHD crew, so I get it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As our band moves up, will you stay focused in your seat? as I want to help you walk through the end of this service today. Can we bow our head and close? Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.